St. Peter's is a Catholic faith-based healthcare delivery system where you'll find leading-edge technology and an experienced staff, as well as the trust and compassion that we have always been known for. This is St. Peter's Better Health Update. Here's Bill Klaproth. Could a sleep disorder be the root cause of your child's struggles in the classroom? The most common sleep disorders that affect children include obstructive sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, periodic limb movement disorder, and narcolepsy, as well as insomnia and delayed sleep phase syndrome. If any of these issues exist with your child, when is it time for them to undergo a sleep study? We're here to address these and other concerns related to sleep disorders in children is Lewis Milrod, MD, a pediatric neurology sleep medicine physician at the Children's Hospital at St. Peter's University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Dr. Milrod, thank you so much for being on with us. You know, we all know sleep issues with adults. We hear of those all the time, but sleep issues with children, how common is this? Oh, it's very common. At least two in ten children have uh, some type of sleep problem. Hmm, interesting. Now, you know, we all know about restful sleep, of course, and how the positive effects it has on the body. Is that more so with children? Do they need this more than adults? Well, children, usually when they sleep normally, they, they're the most well-rested they'll ever be in their lifetimes. But there are naturally all kids want to stay up late, so the most common cause of daytime sleepiness in kids is not getting enough sleep. And with the advent of electronics like cell phones, iPods, uh, those things can keep people up at night. Obviously, those certainly can be a distraction and uh, be a hindrance to good sleep. So what are the signs, then, that your child may have a sleep problem or a sleep disorder? The signs you know, could be as simple as yawning, rubbing the eyes. But in kids, it's a little bit more complicated. Kids won't look as sleepy as an adult would. Uh, an adult who didn't get enough sleep would be falling asleep you know, at work or in their chair. Uh, a child theoretically might move around more and maybe misdiagnosed as having attention deficit disorder. And the idea is that the kids are restless and they're trying to keep themselves awake to some extent. So as a parent, what should we be looking out for? When do we go, okay, I've just been letting them stay up too late, time to cut that off. But when, when should a parent, parent suspect that, okay, maybe it's not that, maybe it's something more? I guess usually if a child is well-rested, they'll awaken on their own in the morning, uh, for example, for school. Uh, If a child has to sleep very late on the weekends, uh, assuming they're not a teenager, that could mean that uh, they're not getting good quality sleep or enough quantity of sleep during the week. A child also shouldn't take naps after age five. So say that again. A child shouldn't take naps after age five. That's correct. So if my 10-year-old <laughs> wants to take a, an hour nap in the afternoon, not a good sign. That's right. It's a sign that gotcha. further evaluation needs to occur. Okay. Now, is, is a sleep disorder, is that possibly hereditary? Yes. Yeah, so oftentimes, uh, kids with insomnia have trouble falling asleep at night. The parents will also report that they're night owls also. Uh, so there can be that natural tendency uh, to, for p- parents and children to want to stay up late, and their, their biological clock, clock is telling them to stay up late. Their circadian rhythm may be telling them to go to sleep at 1 in the morning as opposed to, you know, 9 or 10. Okay, so so, so possibly a child has, you know, a hereditary, it's born with them. Let's talk about then uh, lifestyle as well. Is there a relationship between nutrition, exercise, and sleep? Yes, the, the more exercise children get, obviously it wears them out. Uh, and they're more able to fall asleep at night. 
Uh, there is some evidence that if a child exercises too close to bedtime, that actually may keep them up at night also. Uh, one of the signals for us that we tend to, tends to happen as we get sleepy is that our body temperature falls. So if a child exercises, that may r- raise their body temperature if they exercise too close to bedtime. So, you know, same with adults then. So, Dr. Milrod, what is the amount of sleep then as a parent I should be expecting my child to get? School-aged children need a minimum of 10 hours of sleep uh, per night. And teenagers, it actually goes up a little bit. Most of them probably need somewhere between 8 and a quarter and 9 and a quarter hours of sleep per night. And a lot of teenagers don't get that during the week, and that's why they're sleeping in on the weekends. And what do you tell a teenager that says, yeah, I don't need sleep. Come on, I, I got this. I'm good. You know, I'm, I've got energy. Don't worry about me. I don't need all this. What, what do you tell a kid that says that to you? Well, I, I usually tell them that, the, you know, the weekends are something that we invented. Like our, our bodies, our circadian rhythms, you know, are the same from day to day. So, so kids that want to stay up late on the weekend, it's like they're, they're traveling to California they're staying up to 2 or 3 in the morning, and then Sunday nights, it's like they arrive back on the East Coast and they're trying to fall asleep at, at a regular time, and they can't. Um, also, using caffeine can lead to further trouble with awakenings during the night and having trouble falling asleep. So kids that don't get enough sleep will then ingest more caffeine. Some of them will take naps after school, and taking naps after school uh, does not give you the same quality of sleep that you would otherwise get if you had all your sleep continuously at night. So would you recommend that children stay away from caffeine teenagers, you know, 14, 15, 17-year-olds stay away from caffeine? Yes, definitely. I would ask them to limit it as much as possible. And what else can a, a child do to improve sleep habits? Mostly I'm trying to get up roughly the same time every day. So on, on weekends, obviously the children may not get up as early as they do for school, but we try to say just don't sleep like more than an hour later because the wake-up time is really what synchronizes the time for falling asleep at night. We also like for them to have a, like a calm bedtime routine um, so they don't watch too many things that involve light or they're not doing electronics that would keep them up at night because the electronics can be stimulating, but also the light itself uh, suppresses the production of melatonin, and melatonin is a hormone that goes up at night that signals that it's time for our, our, our bodies and brains to fall asleep. And then what are the most common sleep disorders if, if a child does have an actual sleep disorder? What are the most common sleep disorders among children? The most common uh, sleep disorders include obstructive sleep apnea syndrome, a restless leg syndrome, uh, and, and narcolepsy. Uh, obstructive sleep apnea uh, is usually accompanied by snoring, and snoring we don't regard as normal any longer. Um, the American Academy of Pediatrics advises pediatricians to screen for snoring, uh, and if a child snores and if they have another problem, if they have a problem in school or if they have a problem uh, with being sleepy, then that usually is something that we'd investigate through, through a sleep study. Uh, the most common cause of sleep apnea in, in preschool and school-age kids is the size of the tonsils and adenoids. So often removing them uh, can uh, alleviate the obstruction and lead to resolution of the sleep apnea. Sleep apnea usually, uh, basically what happens is that the throat closes during sleep uh, it's not as dramatic as an adult, so the kids don't, you don't tend to hear the snoring, the gasping and the choking that you might with an adult, but the kids have more shallow breathing that can nevertheless affect them uh, during the day. So if a parent hears snoring, that's certainly a sign that something may not be correct. Is that right? That's right. 
Okay, so then would the next step be uh, taking your child to your physician, and then they can confirm whether or not a sleep study is in order? That's correct. And talk to me about the sleep study a little bit. So I su- suspect my child may have this. I go to my medical doctor, and he says, yeah, let's, let's get him or her into a sleep study. What can I expect in that? What do I tell them? They may be scared, like, what are you doing to me? What, what, tell us about that process a little bit. Well, the, the first thing is that the child doesn't go to the sleep study alone. Uh, one of the parents would accompany the child. Uh, the rooms are decorated to look just like your bedroom at home. And there's, there's TV to watch initially if that's what occurs at home. We encourage the kids to bring uh, their favorite stuffed animals or pillows to make it uh, as much as home, as home as possible. If the children are, are scared, uh, the sleep technicians often wait until the children fall asleep and then put um, the wires on. Um, most of the kids, as you know, like enter very deep or stage three sleep as they first fall asleep. And that's why toddlers, you can often carry them into their rooms and they have no recollection of how they got there in the morning. So we can take advantage of that during the sleep study. Uh, in terms of the, uh, the wires and leads that are used, there's usually a, a belt that goes across the chest and one across the belly to measure uh, respiratory effort during sleep. And then there are the usual fingertip sensor that lights up and tells us what the child's oxygen level is. There is um, a lead that goes on the upper lip that measures um, airflow through the nose during, through the mouth during sleep. And then we have another uh, monitor that goes a little bit into the nose, kind of like a nasal cannula for oxygen uh, that measures uh, airflow through the nose. And in that way, we can tell if an obstruction occurs in the nose or the throat, and we can measure if there's an oxygen uh, desaturation, so if the oxygen level goes down uh, with a holding of the breath in sleep. So if a child is diagnosed with sleep apnea, how do you treat it? Is it with a CPAP machine or medication? What, it, what, what do you do then, or, or is every case different, I imagine? Well, in kids, the, the leading cause of, the, of sleep apnea is the size of the tonsils and the adenoids. So that's, that's usually the first step. Um, so an in, in ear, nose, and throat physician would uh, evaluate the results of the, of the sleep study and then help to decide whether the adenoids and tonsils should be removed. Uh, CPAP is used for, uh, for severe cases or uh, kids that still have sleep apnea after their adenoids and tonsils have been removed or kids that may not be candidates uh, for that procedure. Okay, and is medication ever used, uh, prescribed for children? Well, medication is um, not used for sleep apnea itself. We don't yet have medications that would be of, of assistance. Uh, and in, in adults, there are medications that can help to um, awaken people with sleep apnea, but that's not the primary modality. That's only used if the, if the adult doesn't respond to the use of CPAP. In, in kids, we do use medication sometimes for restless leg syndrome. Um, restless leg syndrome in, in kids is often uh, misdiagnosed as growing pains, but if you try to look up growing pains in any pediatric textbook, it's, it's very hard to find. Uh, but the clues to restless leg syndrome are that the child experiences discomfort in their legs. It comes on more so at night than during the day. It increases with lying down, so a child may not complain about their legs until they lie down. The, the discomfort is, is relieved by movement, by getting up and walking around. And in kids, the, the first step before we consider medications is to check a special iron level called a ferritin level. And if that level is low, then treating with iron uh, for three months can usually result in resolution of that creepy, crawly feeling that the children have. Right. Dr. Milrod, as we finish up, what's your best advice then for a parent who thinks their child may have a sleep disorder? I, I would, if you have a 
if a parent has any suspicion, I would run it by their pediatrician first. And then if the pediatrician um, is okay with it, they can order the sleep study themselves directly, or they can always direct uh, the child to a pediatric sleep center to be evaluated. Dr. Milrod, thank you so much. Very informative. We really appreciate your time today. And for more information, please visit stpetershcs.com. That's stpetershcs.com. I'm Bill Klaproth, and this is St. Peter's Better Health Update. Thanks for listening.